you look at what the natural resources are in and around you, you know, and whether that's through foraging or acquaintances and, you know, you know, lucky enough to find a little bit of space that you could grow something on or a friend who's got some, um, you know, a little, they, they might have a farm up the road, but you're able to maybe, you know, barter some honey for some compost and things like this. You start to build that network around you to maximize the potential. And, and if it's just window boxes and, and if it's just, you know, pots on a patio, so be it, you know, or even on the windowsill, but it's just about taking those little steps all the time. And then uh, something that sort of really came up in our last podcast that we put together was that if you do these little things, when, when, when an opportunity arises where you do have a chance to maybe, you know, get half an allotment or, or someone says, could you help me with this bit of woodland? It's, you're not coming at it from a complete um, sort of new or novice point of view. You, 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 you've built some skills based on small things. And yeah. then, and then you get, you know, as a, as opportunities arrive, it doesn't seem so big because you know I've done a bit of this before, and so you can sort of really maximise your own potential as well. Hello, and welcome to the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from SelfSufficientHub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self sufficiency, sustainability, and food security matters hello everyone welcome to episode 98 of the self-sufficient hub podcast i hope you're all safe and well today i'm talking with alan and mike from the urban homesteading uk podcast mike reached out to me a little while ago and we had a fantastic conversation over the phone that eventually led to this recording now on this occasion, it's quite rare, but we didn't actually have a topic to discuss. We were just having a chat around all the different things that we do. And I hope and think that comes across in the conversation. So you might hear a little bit more of my voice than you might usually in the more interview type recordings that I've done. This was more of a three-way conversation. I certainly enjoyed it and I hope you guys do too. We we ran on and ended up talking for over an hour, so I've split it up into two episodes. This is going to be part one, and part two will be brought to you next week. So without any further preamble by myself, I give you Alan and Mike. Hello. 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 Welcome to the show, hello. Alan and Mike. Do you want to uh, say, say, say hello and uh, just tell us a little bit about how you came to have the Urban Homesteading UK podcast? Uh, hi, I'm, I'm Alan. I'll, I'll go first. Hello, Mike. Um, so I, I guess it was just a, a, an idea we had at the start of lockdown very early on about, you know, how we might do something to help other people that lots of our friends and family and people have been asking us how we do some of the things that we do. Um, and so it was kind of just an idea of how could we get that out there with, I guess, the minimum of fuss. And then, well, there are other people that were in a similar position, you know, at the start of lockdown where they were perhaps struggling to get hold of things and thinking, well, what can I do to support my family and make sure that we're all right through all of this? Um, just a way to try and get that, that message out there, I guess. That's from my perspective. What about you, Mike? Oh, well, Mike appears to have dropped out for a moment there. Okay. All right, well, I'll, I'll carry on then. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I asked Mike if he's coming on with me. He's a very good friend of mine. We've known each other for a good while now. Um, very similar ideas about things and so it was kind of he was the obvious person to ask if he'd come and do it with me and I wanted to get a UK perspective you know it's, it's kind of you, you go 
and you listen to a lot of homesteading and self-sufficiency type podcasts. And um, I think at the time I was on uh, Howard Thornburg's Modern Homesteading podcast and listening to that a lot. Uh, and I asked if anybody knew of any other podcasts. And I believe, Carl, you'd started out about the time I was asking. I think you were on episode maybe two or three, something like that. Um, very, very, very early on for you. Yeah. Um, and sort of really interested in what you were doing and wanted to put a different spin on it by having the two of us involved and, and having sort of our conversations and keeping it, you know, we're, we're just ordinary fellas living in ordinary houses with families and wives and kids and all that. And sharing our experiences and, and hoping that people could identify with it, I guess. I think he's been he's been a bit uh, modest, Alan, there because he's definitely the driving force behind things. I have to say, so uh, he's been a bit he's been a little bit modest. But um, now we've both shared sort of a kind of a a lot of um, a, a lot of stories and skills. But you know, we've been learning from each other for a long time, so it just seemed mm. like a natural progression for it to to take off. And uh, Alan's much better organizer than I am, <laughs> so. So, uh, you know, I, I just sort of tagged along a, a little bit, but uh, he's definitely been, been the driving force behind it without a shadow of a doubt. Well, as a listener and a, a genuine fan, you know, I, I love the dynamics of the two of you. And, you know, I, I am a genuine fan of the show. So it's an absolute pleasure to have you here chatting on, on my oh, show. Likewise, so, likewise, likewise, yeah. well, likewise. Uh, oh, bless you. Thank you. So um, I'm just wondering if we should start at the beginning and how did you come to be doing the sort of things you're doing? Is it something that has come about through the lockdown or is it something that you've grown up with? What's your sort of journey into? Go on, Mark, you lead the way. Um, okay. Um, well, I mean, I grew up in Essex in a, in a, in a rural part of Essex and I've always been sort of in, bit in love with the woods and everything like that. So certainly around Epping Forest, that's where I was brought up. So the natural world has always played a massive part in my life. My mum, my mum's an extraordinarily keen gardener, you know, fabulous gardener. But through throughout things, yeah. really, it was just that closeness to natural rhythms. That's the that's the easiest way I can describe it. And then, as I sort of grew up and got into, um, you know, my my own life where I was living and had my own house and had to choose where I wanted to live. I always wanted to live in the countryside and. And I've always been really, really preoccupied with rural pursuits. And, and it definitely started there for me. So beekeeping and and kind of like um, some of those old traditional crafts, really, you know, we, we, whether it be wood carving and yeah. walking stick making or, or um, you know, learning how to hunt rabbits and things like that. All of those things were, were just important to me. Now, I didn't I didn't have very many people to show me those, you know, certainly. Um, a lot of my learning came from books and talking to people and experience, but that's something that Alan and I talk a lot about is that, you know, if you talk to people, you find stuff out, you know, so very much for me, it was about finding things out like that. And then about 10 years ago, I kind of stumbled across some more American prepping sites, if you like. And, and I, and I liked some of that, but it was all a bit gung ho and a bit AK 47 for me. So, it, you know, I wanted to sort of, I wanted yeah. to find sort of almost like an English kind of way of, you know, finding my way through that or something which fitted in more closely with how I am, you know, a bit more gentle, I suppose. But but certainly a lot of that was tied in with being a father and some of those sorts of things. So, you know, it's a bit of a hodgepodge, really. That's how I sort of came to be here. But then through meeting Alan, you know, we, he, he's very much the horticulturalist and, you know, uh, he, you know, I le I've learned so much from him and, and hopefully, you know, I've been able to show him a few things. And, and it's just about sharing that knowledge, you know, and 
and having that experience, which I can then hand on to my kids, hopefully, and and inspire and inspire them that you know there's that they can have control over some of the things they want to find, produce, consume. You know what I mean? It's it's about having choices rather than just feeling that you've always got to be a consumer. You know what I mean? That, that's where I'm at in a nutshell. I a hundred percent know what you mean, and, and I relate very strongly. You're not to from it. Essex. I, I, you're I, not I will, from Essex, I'll get are you, you shortly, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can probably tell by my accent. <laughs> You can now support the show directly. Just go to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficienthub. You can become a patron and set up to donate to the show from any amount. Pledging as little as $3 a month makes a huge difference. If that's not your thing, you can also support the show by sharing it with people you know or posting about it on social media. We really appreciate all the help that you give us. It's people like you that make this show possible. I mean, I just relate so strongly to a lot of that. Um, so my background, you know, I've always had that sort of connection to the yeah. outdoors as well. And I've not had anyone really to to show me anything. So that's one thing I'm yeah. lacking, if you like. I don't really have a network of people, be it family or anyone else, who's doing this kind of thing. It's all very much what I've yeah. forged yeah. myself from book learning and, and online and stuff. And I also... I've mentioned on the show previously that, you know, that there's a lot of crossover between homesteading yeah. and prepping and the word prepping is a turnoff to yeah, a lot of people, so. but there's a, there's a hell of a lot. There's a hell of a lot within that community that is actually crossed over and useful to yeah. draw upon. And much like yourself, the, the, the feeling that is derived when you hear, you know, survival prepping and apocalypse prepping that's not really what it's about for me but at the same time being prepared yeah. and having those options and knowing that you can derive the things you need from the things around you is just something that fills me with a great sense of yeah definitely, ease definitely and yeah i think me and alan you know? certainly both share that i mean one yeah. thing one one other thing i would i wouldn't want to ever forget though is that you know through my family and and where you know i've got a close family there is this link there is this link to the mm -hmm. past and and certainly that's very important so even though i didn't have directly someone in the family who might have showed me how to keep bees or how to carve wood or you know those sorts of things there is there is running through all of it a connection with people who who have passed on little moments or little nuggets and a lot of those are in my family you know i'm very aware what my grandfather and my yeah. And my Irish relations do and did and and bits of that come out in me. You know, they're they're all butchers. And so, you know, I, I, I feel a kinship with them when I, you know, when I go out and I and I'm lucky enough to get a rabbit or deer and things like that. And then on my on my other side of the family, we've got you know, we've got some carpenters and things like that. And so, you know, there is a little bit of line and thread, which I'm which I'm really keen on being part of. It's like a kind of journey, not just for me as an individual, but some of those things that in some way or another have been handed down and passed down a bit like old tools that's what that's what i kind of like think about it you know yeah anyway go on now i've waffled, waffled yeah, on well enough that. there <laughs> i was wondering when you were going to give it a rest mate anyway um, so I, I guess for me I, I've kind of it's slightly different really i i grew up in the in the sort of mid 70s i was born in the mid 70s and, and grew up through the early 80s and and my family i lived in the country so i was born in sussex uh, I, I live about five miles from where I grew up, 
uh, in the near one of the nearest towns. And, and as a kid growing up, everybody in my family grew vegetables. Just what I did. Um, it was very much about the fact that we were yeah. a working class family. You know, dad worked for the water company by the time I was about six. Um, mum was a hairdresser. We didn't have a lot of money. So it was about how do we supplement what's going to be on the table? You know, what can mum and dad do? And they were fortunate. They had a great big brownie apple tree in the back garden. And I've got vivid memories of the wasps on the windfalls at this sort of time of year as a kid. Um, and then going to my grands and yeah. seeing her veg patch and my other grands and seeing her veg patch. Uh, and so sort of growing up in that environment where people were growing vegetables because it's just what you did. It's just natural. Um, and I suppose to me... I suppose for yeah. me, the, the driving force for me was very much as a teenager. Um, I like to eat food. That's just you know, no <laughs> but I like to eat food, and I like to eat good food as well. I don't want to, you know any old junk. I'm, I'm not a big fan of going out to fast food. Occasionally, we do a takeaway, you know, like most people do, but I'm not a big fan of that fast food. I want to eat proper food, and I want to eat scratch cooked food, and ideally homegrown scratch cooked food. So I started growing stuff, um, and it started with a few little bits. I think I put a grapevine in at my parents' place when I was a teenager because I wanted to grow grapes to make wine. Um, well, <laughs> I was one of the few at the university who always had wine in his cupboard because I'd made it myself. It was there, you know. <laughs> you drink a bottle of that yeah. before you went out. You didn't have to spend very much. That was just what you did, you know. Um, so for me, I sort of grown up watching mum yeah, and dad yeah. do that, and dad would take us fishing and, and that sort of thing. And if we caught the right sort of fish, I remember him bringing a pike home one night and having that for, for dinner and that sort of thing. Um, it's just kind of what we did. And, and as I've got my own place, I've grown more vegetables. I've, I've kind of extended that and pushed the boundary. And I guess now I'm probably teaching my mum particularly um, about how to, you know, grow or how to produce or preserve or whatever it is. Um, but it's always, for me, been about producing the food. It's very much about producing for the kitchen so that you can, you can eat nice food and, and you know where it's come from, you know what's gone into it. Yeah, and you, you touched on a, a few things there, really, for me when you were talking about, you know, you want to eat, you like eating and then you like eating good, yep. good food and with good yep. provenance and everything else. And, and it all just sort of, it all ties together for me because I think the deeper you dive into this way of thinking, the more the, the benefits kind of overlap on yep. one another and that reconnection with where food comes from and then the spending time in the natural world with the natural yep. rhythms and, you know, spending time fishing was. There are people who spend a lot of money to go away on fishing mm. holidays and things like that. But you can do it, and at the same time, be providing yeah. for your family and providing this really high quality food and reconnecting with nature. And just the way by adding things into what we do, it just compounds all the previous benefits that we already had, and it just gets yeah. better and better over time. Yeah. And I always I find, you know, anyway. I'm always looking to add a new string to my bow, so it's kind of what am I going to do with all these courgettes that I've grown? You know, or, or there's, there's this hedgerow with enormous yeah. numbers of blackberries. How am I going to make the most of that opportunity? Uh, and, and so you, you've sort of learned new things. And I think probably Mike and I met in 2009. And I suppose since then, we both kicked on. I mean, in the sense that at that time, I was, I, you know, I'd just about got an allotment. and I'd grown a few bits in the garden before then um, in every house that I'd lived in where, where the opportunity arose. And even, even in the second floor flat, I grew tomatoes in the windowsill in, in a window box, you know? Um, so find, find ways to yeah. make things work for you um, but when we met in 2009 I think we both really kicked on and kind of egg each other, other, each other on a bit and, and teach each other new tricks and I know Mike's taught me beekeeping and hopefully you know, I've been able to return the favour in some areas as well and, oh certainly. And yeah, certainly yeah absolutely and that keeps us going keeping sort of inspiring and encouraging each other really is a, of a real benefit for both of us I hope yeah without a shadow of a doubt
it's really easy for you to get in touch with us. You can do it either by sending an email to selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com or by using the link in the show notes to send us a voice message. You can send us a voice message just using your phone. You could also reach out to us on Facebook where we have the Self Sufficient Hub group and the Self Sufficient Hub page. We're always thrilled to get your feedback, questions or suggestions for future topics on the show. So, so you guys are sort of very much based on urban homesteading, hence yeah. the name of your, yeah. your podcast. I know that I'm very, very lucky to have a really big mm. garden, several acres, and I'm under no illusions that that makes a lot of the things I do easier and makes a lot of the things I do possible when it otherwise wouldn't mm. have been. But at the same time, whenever I'm speaking on the show or creating content for YouTube or whatever it is I'm doing, I'm very conscious that almost all the things I'm doing anyone can do maybe slightly differently and maybe tailored to a different way of doing it but the fact that someone doesn't have a seven acre garden doesn't have to be a barrier to entry to homesteading neither of us got very big gardens that's the whole point of it really is you know people asking us how do we do what we do uh, and there, you know, there's, there's ways, and, and we talk a lot on our podcast about finding opportunities. And Mike mentioned already about sort of making relationships, and that's how things get done, isn't it? You know, it's all about who you know, isn't it? In life, typically, find people who help you along the way to do things you want to achieve. Um, but it is very much doable. On, you know, I've got a regular family. My, my garden's about 60 foot long at the back, and you know, the front garden's longer, you know, reasonably long. But you don't use your front garden for growing stuff typically. Um, and I've got a very, very normal sort of family home, I suppose. And Mike's very similar, I think, don't you, Mike? Yeah, I mean, the, the difference between the two of us is that Alan lives in a town, um, <laughs> but he has he has a resource of the sea because he lives near the coast, very near the coast. Yeah. yeah. Where, whereas I live in really, really do live in the middle of the countryside, in the middle of nowhere, in a very, very isolated village, you know. Uh, well, it's not even a village; it's a hamlet. <laughs> um, but yeah. I can, yeah. but I can walk out of my back door into wood, into woodland and hedgerow and fields, and and I'm off that way. So, you know, it, it, like all things, and on your site, however big, however small, you look at what the natural resources are in and around you. You know, and whether that's through foraging or acquaintances, and you know, you know, lucky enough to find a little bit of space that you could grow something on, or a friend who's got some, um, you know, a little, they, they might have a farm up the road, but you're able to maybe, you know, barter some honey for some compost and things like this. You start to build that network around you to maximise the potential. And and if it's just window boxes and, and if it's just, you know, pots on a patio, so be it, you know, or even on the windowsill. But it's just about taking those little steps all the time. And then uh, something that sort of really came up in our last podcast that we put together was that, if you do these little things, when, when, when an opportunity arises where you do have a chance to maybe, you know, get half an allotment or, or someone says, could you help me with this bit of woodland? It's, you're not coming at it from a complete um, sort of new or novice point of view. You, 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 you've built some skills based on small things. And, yeah. then, and then you get, you know, as, a, as opportunities arrive, it doesn't seem so big because, 
you know, I've done a bit of this before. And so you can sort of really maximise your own potential as well. That's definitely where I'm at with it anyway. Mm. And you're in, you're in a position to take advantage of those opportunities that do land on your lap. Absolutely. You? Yeah, because it's, it's not so daunting, is it? If someone says you've got this allotment now, but you've yeah. already grown some things. Well, you know, maybe I could have a go at that. And, and I do think that there's a lot of inertia in some people because they're a little bit, you know, they, they do get a little bit, um, worried about well I don't I might not know what I'm doing or I might mock up and I think that that's a bit of a you know a kind of um, you, you know it's a, a part of some of our our modern culture and our own tendency sometimes is that we we do hold back a little bit rather than you know grasping the nettle and having a go at something even though we might muck up and make loads of errors I make loads of errors that's the original question though Carl the idea of sort of urban homesteading is that that Mike's house, for all the fact that it's situated where it is, is no bigger than a you know regular fan, probably even a new build house, is it, mate? Your your gardens no. by most by most people's standards pretty small, I would suggest, if anything. Well, it's way smaller than yours, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly <laughs> is. And, and you, you still make it work for you, don't you? And I know you take advantage of your location. And, and yeah. again, although I live in a town, I've got access to the South Downs within sort of ten minutes walking, so I can get out there and, and again make opportunities. So we're not talking about massive cities, we're talking about sort of small town. Urban yeah. I guess is, is kind of the way we look at it, and yeah. how to take the, make the most of those opportunities that you have got, rather than looking at that you haven't got any opportunities. So, if you guys were to be speaking to someone and they were saying, "Listen, I'm a fan of your podcast. I'm interested in the whole genre, but it's not something that I'm sure really where to take my first steps. I live in a in a small house with a small garden, and I'm not." sure that i've got the capacity to do it where would you point people to start what would you direct them to make a start with bake a loaf of bread just simple, yeah, simple, really simple yeah. bake a loaf of bread i get a decent bit of butter I'm, I'm lactose intolerant but you get a decent bit of butter whatever you want to put on it and and go from there and that for me it's about starting in the kitchen it always has been about you know bringing things into the kitchen to try and use them but it, you know it might be if it's I don't know, Mike, you're probably going to say about growing something in a pot in the back garden, I guess, would you? Is that where you uh, No, I'm not, actually. No, I've been giving this some thought. And I, I remember when I moved into my house here, actually, the first thing I did was I bought an ordnance survey map and I started to work out what was around me. So I actually think yeah. that if it was this time of the year, I'd go and pick some blackberries if I could still find yeah. and eat or maybe find some wild crab apples and, or something. I'd go Those. more about that that connection with discovering things outside yeah. if it was if it was springtime and and um you know i think uh, you know there are lots of things you can grow over the winter but i think that if it was springtime i might be thinking more about you know getting some pots and thinking about some real basic seeds in pots on a patio or something like that definitely you know the joy of doing things yourself but if it was this time of the year i'd be encouraging people to get out on those walks you know find a bit of woodland and or find, find, a, find a hedgerow in a field and see what you can find out there and, you know, just start to experience some of those seasonal changes and rhythms that we've been talking about. Definitely, for me, that would be definitely mm. where I would start. You can find Self Sufficient Hub content elsewhere online in lots of other places. We have a YouTube channel. We also have our website... And now there's our Facebook page and Facebook group. Links to all of these you can find in the show notes. Come check us out. That That's awesome because I've asked several people that question and I don't think that I've had either of those answers before. It, 
And and I've given answer to that question before when I've been asked. And generally, I always go with, you know, a small pot with something growing in it. And that's usually the the answer that I get. So I'm really interested and excited to hear that because we sometimes forget that being self-sufficient and being a homesteader isn't just about growing your own food, is it? There's so much more to it than that. Very, very think, much so. I, yeah. I would say that having those... Having, having those links with the seasonal changes, but also what is around me, you know, the awareness of what is around you, you know, wherever you live, you're part of a landscape. And even in a real urban landscape, you know, I've lived in cities and things like that. There are still opportunities there. There are still pockets of green spaces. There are still, you know, places that you can get out to on a train or a bus where you can utilize some of your skills in order to help you, you know, live a live a more self sufficient existence without shadow of a doubt, and and that's before we even start touching on, you know, come on, some of the knowledge that we've got about consumerism now. You know, about where you know the things that we do have to buy, about making sure that they're yeah. environmentally ecologically safe. You know, so it's just part of this massive puzzle. But for certainly for me, when you buy that ordnance survey map and learn how to read it, and you see where you are, and then you see all these little green dotted lines that go in and around your <laughs> space, you start exploring that local area. And then and then seeing what's there and building up your own foragers map or whatever it is. I don't know. That's, that's what gets me going yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, I, I'm a huge forager personally. Yeah. It's a huge part of, of what I do yeah. um, just as a person. You yeah. know, it's something that I love. And the fact that it's it also puts food on the table is 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 fantastic. But there's so much out there, not just not just wild edibles, but there's so much out there to connect with. And as you say, Mike, to learn your area, yeah, it also opens you up, as, like you were saying before, to these other opportunities that may or may not arrive. Oh, can I ask you a question? Because you've obviously we, we spoke the other day about the fact that you've obviously got this opportunity on the land that you're on currently. What, what was the first thing you did when you moved in there? Oh God! The first thing I did. Um, Imagine it was quite a few first well, things. We, but... Yeah. Well, the, the <laughs> first thing we did actually was was try and just get to grips with the size of it. I suppose we were we were in the opposite boat to a lot of people because we hadn't planned to live here. Hmm. We 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 found ourselves living here with this eight acre plot, hmm. literally within days of it even being a seed of an idea that it might wow. happen. And I also had absolutely no pretensions towards self-sufficiency. Um, we, we, we didn't really grow any of our own food where we lived before. We kept a few hens, but that was about it. Yeah. So for me, it kind of worked the other way around. It was the fact that I found myself as custodian of this land that made me then, I suppose it worked very much like Mike saying, I had this little plot and I didn't need an ordnance survey map because it was all mine. I was drawing my own map yeah. and I was able to sculpt it. And, but I connected with every single square meter here. And I suppose I felt that the opportunity I was given was so precious that I didn't want to waste a single square meter. Mm. And that kind of led me to, well, I, I went into overload and I, I'm the opposite of a lot of people. So I, I started a thousand different things knowing <laughs> that 880 were going to fail. But, that, you know, so within the within the first year, we'd, we'd dug a vegetable plot. We'd um, expanded our chickens. We'd got goats. We had pigs. We I dug three ponds oh, okay. <laughs> and, and far too much, far, far, far too much. But um, 
I suppose that the the thing that I started first that has been most consistent has simply been the annual vegetable bed. Mm-hmm. I suppose the that, that's the one that's that's the one that like from from day one it was really obvious what that was going to be where it was going to be and that plan has been quite consistent and hasn't really changed yeah. everything else has evolved much more than that sounds sounds like the real answer to the question of, of where do you start is somewhere doesn't it it, it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't actually matter where does it because actually as, as you know as we've said on our podcast and certainly we've spoken about before carl it, it's it's very much about the journey isn't it? it's not about the destination so it doesn't matter. Absolutely. There's not a start and a finish point. There's no defined beginning and end. For me, it started when I was two or three years old and I'm watching my parents grow vegetables. And my journey started way before I'd even realised it had started, actually. And that may be true for many yeah. other people. They may not realise that they've already started on that journey just by doing some very simple things like cooking a meal from scratch in the kitchen. Um, you're, yeah, yeah. you're getting some decent vegetables from the greengrocers or wherever you might go, the farm shop or wherever. You're bringing those home and making them into something delicious. That is, that is, you've already started the journey. You've just not realised it yet. Um, and so I suppose the answer actually yeah. is just, just whatever floats your boat, find somewhere to start and just have a go. So that's it for part one. In part two, we go on to discuss beekeeping, husbandry of animals, all sorts of old-fashioned skills, and lots of other things, all things homesteading. So I hope you enjoy that as much as I enjoyed it. And we'll be bringing you that next Wednesday. Thanks for listening. And I will speak to you on Friday. If you find this podcast valuable, there's several ways you can support it. The easiest of which is to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. You could also talk about it or share it wherever you post online, including your social media pages. And now you can support the podcast directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you soon.